Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JustBaseball, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JustBaseball. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Friday, June 9th on the Just Baseball Show. You got the three of us. That's Jack McMullen, Arm Layton, and I am Peter Apple. We have a great Friday show ahead of you. We have sellers. We're going to go through every team according to Fangraphs that has a 5% chance or lower and identify some of the pieces that could be on the way this deadline. And there's a couple of teams that are below 10%. We call them kind of honorable mentions in that breath. So we'll talk about them, whether they should sell. I want to talk about Ellie De La Cruz and how incredible his first two games are. And then the story of the guy who caught his first home run ball. And then I have something off the top about suing the Los Angeles Dodgers, which I'll get to in a minute. But the Just Baseball show is sponsored by BetMGM. Use promo code JustBaseball. Sign up and deposit into your newly created account. Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. So use code JustBaseball when you download BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Call or text one 800 gambler if you have a gambling problem but gentlemen the reason why i want to sue the los angeles dodgers and walker bueller who comes on every monday is a great guest but at the same time we got to sue him right i care more about justice they put concrete in the bottom of their wall and now aaron judge broke his toe and is now on the il and Apparently, he's on the 10-day IL, but 
I was listening to Bart Scott, who sustained a similar type of toe injury, and he says that he's going to have to be on the 60-day IL. So not only that, but we have to sue the Dodgers because they apparently need a shortstop and they have not taken IKF off our hands. I think if you guys are my friends, you'll come with me in suing the Dodgers for putting Aaron Judge in that situation. Um, the Yankee season is over. Do you think they did it on purpose? Yes. Yeah. No. Okay. Quick follow up. Did they put the concrete in right before the Yankee series, or was it probably since they mm-hmm. constructed the wall? I'm gonna go with the uh, former. I think they put it in as soon as Aaron Judge was playing right field in order to hurt the Yankees long term, and they did it. Congratulations, Dodgers! Now I'm gonna come after you. Wait, why is there concrete on the bottom? I mean, I'm sure that that's what I'm fucking. I'm sure there's a complicated like, like architectural aspect to it. Yeah, that sucks because we just saw Jazz Chisholm similar thing. His is turf toe, which. Turf toe is one of the worst things I've ever dealt with in my life. Got it in Thanksgiving football with my friends, and it took me months. I think like almost eight months to ever even feel like not thinking about it anymore. So it makes sense that Jazz is on the IL. Similar thing, though. Right under the wall is like some concrete, and and I think that's where Jazz like jammed it in. I I wonder why. (laughs) Like I wonder if these teams may start to adjust that. Obviously, we haven't seen a ton of it, but – it is kind of scary. Like, I, I don't know. It's weird. Jack, do you know what the Dodgers have done by putting concrete in their wall? They have forced the Yankees to put out an outfield of Jake Bowers, IKF in center, and Willie Calhoun in right. If that isn't suitable for a lawsuit, I don't know what is. Okay, so real quick, I saw Greg Allen play center field for the New York Yankees the other day, and I had this thought. You have like, to sue them. I was like, this is the same outfield that has run out Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio. Uh, I mean, like, I, I could keep on going. Like, Mickey Mantle and Greg Allen played the same spot for the New York Yankees. How, how messed up is that? Greg Allen is the best of the bunch. Actually, Jake Bowers is pretty good. Willie Calhoun, Jake I guess, Bowers. has been okay. But I can't in center. I, I can't do it. I can't do it, guys. And now Nestor's on the IL, too. Yeah. This is Bader. a team that is, and Bader's still on the IL. This is a team that is perpetually injured. And Aaron Judge is the heart and soul of the New York Yankees. I mean, you look at the lineup without him, and it is barren. I mean, Anthony Volpe hits fifth. And with all due respect to Anthony Volpe, he hasn't found his stride offensively yet. He should not be hitting fifth. He should be a great nine hitter. He should be Zach Neto. He should be Zach Neto. But instead, he's... And DJ LeMahieu is rocking a 27% K rate. Like, without Aaron Judge, the Yankees are basically unwatchable. I'm I'm suing the Dodgers. And as my friends, you should come with me. You cover the legal fees, I'll come and watch. Um, the one thing that does kill me is that Judge was starting to go crazy. Yeah. And that's the last thing I want to talk about on this. You look at the last 20 games before he went down. He was slashing 333, 473, 931. It's a 268 WRC plus. He had 13 home runs in 20 games. It became, you know, when we were talking about it before the season, it was is there any chance judge repeats this? And 80% of people said that no, he won't during this stretch. If you asked me, and I think if you surveyed people, I think it'd be like 60, 40. No. And I'd probably say he might do this thing. Like he was on pace pretty much on the exact pace he was on last year. And there was a legit chance he could have done 60 again. So that sucks too for baseball and just sucks in general, because I, I mean, how fun would it have been to see Aaron judge, chase 60 again 
and maybe maybe he comes back a week or you know in a week or two and he has a shot but it'll be really hard if he misses any anything more than 10 to 15 games to really replicate that he played 157 last year what what is more fun alonzo chasing 60 or judge chasing 60 again i think judge doing judge it again. again it's not even close to me I, and then like you can't say there's bias there because like i will clown the yankees probably before i clown the mets there's just something about judge and the way he goes about his thing. Also just doing it last year. Like, can he do it again? It's cool. But that said, like I'm all in on watching Alonzo chase something. That'd be right. I, I want to see somebody chase something. Baseball is better when somebody's chasing history. That's, so, there's no doubt about that. We've got Luis Arise chasing 400 that, right now that too. Yeah. But That's who cares? A real chase. Who cares? Right. Cares. Didn't Brian Kenny say who cares? No way he said who cares. Did he Brian actually? Brian Kenny had something about Brian Kenny. I mean, it would <laughs> be on that. brand for him to say who cares about something related to that. Also, while we're on the topic of the Dodgers, before we move on to like all, all the buyer seller stuff, I, I remember there was some, last time we recorded the three of us together, I was like, there's something I wanted to mention and I can't remember it. It was driving me nuts. And I was like, there's something I really wanted to talk about. It was really important. I just remembered what it was last night. Noah Syndergaard said that he would give up his hypothetical firstborn to get back to where he was. Yeah, That's the weirdest fucking thing. And I feel for Noah Syndergaard, by the way. But that is the weirdest fucking thing I've ever heard anybody say in my entire life. And I feel for There's nothing worse than being at the top of your game. We've talked about it with DeGrom. We talked about it with Strasburg, all that stuff. Your hypothetical firstborn? Like, I know he doesn't actually mean it. But it's just such a weird thing to put out in the ether when that kid is born, because I assume he's eventually going to have kids like you're going to look that thing in, in the eyes and be like, I would have given you up. I would have given you up for seven miles an hour. Extra yeah, I would have given you up to throw 97 to, to have my change up kind of working the way it used to. What a what a freak thing to say. Like, well, what, what a bizarre. And he's a he's a bizarre dude. Like, let's be honest. Like, he, yeah. he said a lot of bizarre things in the past. This one takes the cake for me. This is top of the line weird athlete things that have been said for me and we're less than eight weeks removed from max scherzer swearing on his children's life that he didn't mm-hmm. use sticky stuff i mean there's something going which on is, with, which is with wild kids me, being it, dispensable it's, it's yeah, the, yeah the, fuck them kids like it's yeah. crazy to me because we're always talking about oh it's just a game you know it, there's so much more to it family comes first all of these things and then this guy's literally sacrificing his his kid to, to try to throw 97 again. I thought that was the weirdest quote ever. I uh, just had to mention that. I would so, sacrifice my kid to have Aaron Judge be, be back in a couple of weeks. Um, gotcha. No, yeah, just can't uh, wait for you to look that kid in the eye. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I take that back. But at the same time, I'm not taking it back. But at the same time, just going back to when Aaron Judge could come back, I was listening to Aaron Boone post game. And this is why I said the Yankee season is over because it really is on the backs of Aaron Judge. And he said, We'll reevaluate in a couple of weeks. I, I mean, days. And I was like, "Oh my oh. god, the season's over." The see, it could be a couple of days, but it was like a Freudian slip of the words. Yeah, that was that is and and sorry. it's like and and then hearing Bart Scott talk about it, I'm like, "We are so screwed. He is not going to be back for months." Like, what if he comes back in August? I don't. And I'm I'm getting DMs already. Like, when do you? What do you think the timeline is for Aaron Judge? I have no idea. I don't even no, think the Yankees know. Not. They're not going to be able to evaluate him. They give him a PRP injection. They got to wait for the swelling to come down. It's terrible. Well, in the words of Bart Scott, I can't wait for Aaron Judge to be back. Yeah, Brian Kenny said, um, and this is Will Middlebrooks. Like he. He went into it, and this could be taken totally out of context, but I saw Will Middlebrooks' tweet. It's just Brian Kenny, colon, 
Quote, Luis Arise is hitting 400. Do we care? <laughs> like, yes, yes, do. do we care? Absolutely. Yes, we care. Yes, hey, we care. How are you guys doing? Are you doing the Laramie Tunsil gas mask thing being in New York City right now? What's the deal? Midwest, it's great right now. Yeah, dude, it's, it's got this orange hue outside. It feels like we're in the midst of World War Z. Yeah, it's 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 ominous. It's gotten better, but it's definitely very very ominous. I've not gone outside pretty much at all. Well, you don't uh, do which, that when the air is. Yeah, I was going to say anyway. the place. It, this is like kind of works for me, man. Like, <laughs> I, I'm going to pretend to be upset about it. Like it just, I just get to lean into what I do best. So, oh darn, just, the air quality's down. Oh, I no. guess I can't yeah, leave. <laughs> yeah, you can't breathe outside. Shoot, I'm just going to hang out. So that's what I did the last couple of days, and that's what I plan on continuing to do. And I hope the. Uh, I hope it gets better, uh, but no rush. Yeah. I saw this um this report that says if you stood outside for twenty four hours in the current New York air, it would be the equivalent of smoking six cigarettes. Yeah, which is hilarious to me. So you got you got people out here like wearing masks, like sprinting through outside, which I do whatever you gotta do. To get home then, to vape. But then rip, yeah, to go home and vape, <laughs> to go rip their stig, to go rip the, like, that's the funniest part to me. Like, it, you're wearing the mask. Oh, my God, I can't go outside. Like, this is so crazy. Checking the air quality. And then you just go rip your electric, uh, like, <laughs> your pineapple, I need to pineapple wear suck stick. Yeah, yeah, I need to wear my my KN95 to go pick up more, more jewel pods, right? Yes, yeah, literally. <laughs> like, it's the most backwards thing in the world. But. <laughs> On a brighter note, um, Ellie De La Cruz hit his first career home run 114.8 miles an hour 458 feet deep into great american ballpark i thought it went farther my test had it at 680 feet i tweeted that out uh but there was a really cool story about the guy who caught the home run ball now this is way up in i they're not really bleachers right they're kind of bleachers at great american ballpark in right field are they are they are they seats or whatever they are but whatever they are yeah, it was way up there, like in the in the last row. And this guy catches the ball and he's with all of his friends. And you can see him going wild once he catches the ball. And then Reds officials immediately rush to him and be like, hey, can we have that ball? And he was good, right? He was bartering with these Reds officials. And then ultimately they came to a deal. And my favorite part about this is first, he got a meet and greet with Ellie De La Cruz, which is awesome. He got a signed bat and he got a signed hat. But my favorite part about this story is that not only did he get signed baseballs and signed pictures for himself, he also got them for his friends. What a stud, absolute W, sticking up for his boys right there, getting his friends. I wonder, though, how much that ball will be worth one day. But at the same time, like you're a Reds fan. You want Ellie De La Cruz to have that ball. So I thought the fact that he got signed memorabilia, so many different things, which is going to be worth a ton. But of course, I don't think this guy is ever going to sell that kind of stuff. It's something great. And I would take all of that over the ball. So I think he made out pretty good and he supported his boys. What a story. So judges 62nd, I like that would have been a harder one to grapple with for me because that is immediately worth a ton of money. Like bonds is seven fifty six. That's immediately worth a ton of money. With Ellie, I saw some Twitter fingers putting out that that was like a $200,000 ball already. No, not it's not. Close. It's not. Like, you got to hold it. A, and let that a signed baseball of him right now is going for about 250 bucks. Yeah. Just a signed baseball. Like, his first home run is not a thousand X that. No, I, I think it's, yeah, I think it could be, you know, 50,000, like that area right now. 
yeah. if that. There's not a lot of people that are going to spend that on a, on, a, on a guy this early. Exactly, especially when you're taking a gamble like that, like something with immediate value. And we had this conversation about Judge's 60-second, right? Like, do you give the ball back or do you sell it? Um, you know, you, you grapple with morality, but like, if that's a two million dollar ball, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, you're, you're changing your kids' lives and your kids' kids. So at that point, you got to make a, a selfish decision a little exactly. bit. But with this, it's also a kid's first home run. Yeah, it's his first home run. This is a special moment. It's 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 something that you know, it's you can't really describe that. Obviously, record-setting home run. That's cool. But Judge has won an MVP, and he's been around, and he's got a lot of a lot of accolades, and he's got enough money to buy it if he wants to. Alito Cruz signed. He's going to be rich. He's going to be very successful. But he signed for sixty-five thousand dollars, and is is just now making you know real money. He's probably has some twenty-one years old. Yeah, like why should he have to? mortgage like his deplete his bank account to to try to pick up his his ball and get his baseball like that's crazy that's the thing people assume that ellie's just like rich as shit right now like ellie doesn't have much money at all compared to the big leaguer like the average big leaguer right now like if you looked at i don't know just a rando on the cincinnati reds they have way more money in the bank account than ellie de la cruz does but the thing is ellie de la cruz is already better than most big leaguers i've seen enough correct Right. Would you give him the the, the one hundred forty million dollar pre arb deal right now? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I, here, here's a question I have before we jump into like the the buyer sellers, all that good stuff. Corbin Carroll. So pre arb deals are all about risk and ri- risk assessment paired with upside, in my opinion. Corbin Carroll's contract was for how much? It was one hundred and twelve. Is that right? I thought it was more. I thought it was like one forty. It was one eleven. Eight years, one eleven cash check out of baby yeah so that comes with a club option for 28 million dollars in his age 30 season and a ton of escalators five million dollar mvp escalator uh 2.5 million dollars he finishes two between two or or five and a bunch of other it can max out at 154 just to, to sum it up quickly would you give ellie de la cruz that yet Yes, like you can get you can get excited and say yes. He also struck out twice yesterday, so like there, there is yeah. But he also still. fastest home to first time or oh, fastest I know, no, home I, to I, third I, on a triple. I I would I, do it. I don't I, care I, if I lose the money. Would you rather give this contract to Corbin Carroll or Ellie De La Cruz? Corbin Carroll. Yeah. Just so I don't think I can get burned. And, yeah. And the thing that we've had this conversation, Aram, I know I'm not the biggest fan of that Carroll deal because I, I think you're paying him market value. Like you're paying him what you think he could become. It's are you sure? I, yeah, I don't I think, think he could getting... be worth way more. He has been one of the best players in Major League Baseball already this season and came up and had like a 135 WRC plus. I think they're getting honestly good value because that he's only going to get better. He's still just 22 years old and he's developed into one of the best outfielders in Major League Baseball. But we're talking about the risk of a pre-arb deal, right? So if we if he does do exactly what we think he can do for eight years, then he's being underpaid, I think. But like this being way more than a Michael Harris deal, like the Harris deal is what I think of when I think pre-arb. Like you're looking at this and he's making, well, I mean, we can walk through it. Like if he's making 720 for three years, we're looking at what, about two and a half through his first three years, and then we're looking at ARB one. How much would he make in ARB one? Eight. Uh, yeah. Well, for this deal, he makes ten. Okay. So let let's underpaid. Let's go. Say he's good. ARB one. You know, if made, this contract didn't seven, exist, seven, seven, yeah, seven, eight million. Seven. Okay. 
So 2.5 plus 7, Arb 2, he's probably up to what, 15? They have him at 12 here. Okay, so let's say without the contract, 12, 13. Yeah, and, then, and then Arb 3 in the contract, he's making 14. That's where it could have been 20. That's where I think you could have been 25. So let's be aggressive and say 25. That already takes you to 46 and a half. So you're paying pretty much 30 mil per year if you don't do this in two open years to match this number. Well, I think he is a $30 million player for those two years. I think you're breaking even on this. I don't think you're getting much of a discount on Corbin Carroll. They bought three years of control because of the club option for 28 million as well in, in 2031. So they bought three years of control at 28 million a year. I mean, that's in 2030, 2029, 2030, 2031. That that's going to be, what are guys going to be making at that point? What's 20 yeah, million going to be? With the debt ceiling, like these guys are going to be making 80 million because they're printing money all over the place. Yeah. So if they're making 80 million, then yes. I, I hear you, Jack. I think it was a really well negotiated deal by CAA. I think they did an excellent job. I think Carol got his phenomenal job. Uh, Joe Urban did a phenomenal job. But (laughs) in in, in relative, I think this was the most player friendly free arb deal. That said, yeah, I don't know if I give this one to Ellie then because it does, it kind of has the lack of risk around Corbin baked into this. So, I think the Reds have to figure out a way to give him a pre-arb deal once they get a couple months of action here, because that's the only way they're going to be able to keep this guy similar to like the Rays did with Wander. I know Ellie comes with more risk, but I think this is a risk they have to take. They were looking at Ashcraft. They were looking at Lodolo. Felt like they were kind of forcing the issue with those guys a little bit. Those are not the guys you should extend. Pay Ellie and you can backload it. You don't have to worry about it for a little bit. And they're already seeing the attendance go up. I think they should make some, They'll make the money back on that deal. He's going to yeah. The thing is, one selling jersey. Thing is with Ellie too is that you know he's box office, right? Like baseball is a business too. So even let's say he does get hurt, whenever he's playing at the ballpark, he's going to sell more tickets than any rookie right now in Major League Baseball. Like Corbin Carroll might be better, but I'm thinking that he could sign a Michael Harris type deal. Like the Braves, Michael Harris is off to a really rough start, even though he's been heating up slightly in this past couple of games. I would offer him maybe that deal, maybe not as big of a Corbin Carroll deal, but if he, you know, hits 20 home runs this deal this year and hits th- and steals 30 bases in the next 100 games, you have to. Like you have to lock him up now because he's too box office to ever think about letting him go. And even they'll if do he it. does get hurt, I, I know they have I know to. they'll do it. I I I think, you know, Castellini is a cheapo, but I think this is one where it's like it's just a smart business decision. Mm-hmm. You got that. There's more, never been more buzz around the Reds. What better way than to say, hey, this guy that you're all falling in love with, he ain't going anywhere. And this team's going to keep getting better. So I, I'm going to bet, and I can't believe I'm going to be on this side. I'm going to bet on Bob Castellini spending money. Crazy. <laughs> but only when it's the, the most obvious of all obvious opportunities to spend money. See, this is when they announced the McLean extension. Like right now is when oh, they McLean have... McLean's getting the five years, forty five million dollar deal. He's getting the Nico Horner deal. Yeah, exactly. Um, how much war do you think this motherfucker has in two games? Five point three. <laughs> this dude has point three <laughs> war in crazy. two games. That's crazy. It's nuts. I, the way I said it on the dog pays for a hundred war. <laughs> <laughs> the way I said it on, on the call up. Uh, Today, when we did the Brewers top one, we started with uh, top 10. We did it with, uh, we started with Ellie de la Cruz and Aram asked, like, just my overall takeaway. And I said, 
it's just fucking hilarious like what he's doing he it's makes so me feel funny. like a little boy like yeah. i was i was texting arm last night like i shrieked in excitement like the pitch in my voice was way higher it felt like watching shohei for the first time like you just you're in awe of this yeah. kid He's 21 years old. He's six foot five, 210 pounds. His first home run off Noah Syndergaard. He hits the ball high and in. It wasn't just some dinky fastball right down the middle. No, this was up and in on his hands that he cranked 460 to right field. Then the following at bat, the following at bat, he hits a freaking low liner into right center and darts out of the box 10.83 seconds from home to third that was the fastest in major league baseball this entire season and even his first at bat right going back to the game against tony gonsolin works a walk when you could tell that gonsolin didn't really want to pitch to him no piece of him he swung and missed in his first swing and it was like all right i got the little jitters out right i tried to take that home run swing worked an ab worked himself on and then scored like he had a run scored before he had an official at bat yeah. I don't know how you can't give this guy $400 million today. <laughs> <laughs> give him the J, uh, the J rod deal. Yeah. Uh, no, no, give him the judge deal. Oh, it's just yeah, a done. straight up contract. <laughs> All right. Buyers and sellers. Let's do it. All right. So what I did was I went on fan graphs and I looked at roster resource. And what you can see is what fan graphs gives the person gives the each individual team a percentage of winning the division or making the playoffs. I just looked at the team's percentages to make the playoffs and I gathered all the teams that are below 5% and a couple of teams that are below 10% that we should talk about. But I found a bunch of players who I think should and could be available at the deadline for contending teams to kind of bring their names to your attention to potentially be on the lookout for these guys because there's a lot of quality players on less than quality teams. So do you guys want to start with the American League or the National League? Either. Either. Let's just start in the American League. I got the Detroit Tigers at 2.4%, which is kind of funny because the Tigers currently sit in third place, but Fangraphs is basically giving them no shot, which... I kind of agree with, do I think it should be 2.4%? Absolutely not. I think they're undervaluing the Tigers, but should it be 10%? Probably not. It's a really weak division. They're probably not going to win it, and you would have to win it in order to get into the playoffs. So I came to you guys with four players, and you tell me if I missed anyone. Four from that team? Four from this team. I mean, I'm being very generous. Yeah. Being very generous. So we'll start with Eduardo Rodriguez, who, of course, is the big name. He's got five years, $77 million deal, but as an opt-out in 2024. But he is still currently on the IL. I don't think he's supposed to come off until closer to the deadline. So he's going to be an interesting trade. I'll just go through all the players, and we can talk about them. I thought Michael Lorenzen is a really big trade candidate that nobody's really talking about right now. Has been the best pitcher not named Eduardo Rodriguez, who is currently healthy on the Tigers, rocking a 3 one ERA and is only making $8.5 million. He's on a one-year deal. I mean, Matthew Boyd is, has been horrible, 5.57 ERA, but you know someone needs someone's just the lefty. Like a, yeah, someone's going to give up a random prospect. Yeah, like he's a Cardinal for sure. And then you <laughs> have sure. Eric Haas, who has a 5.81 OPS, but he's only making the minimum, right? He's making 740000 Could he be some sort of catcher, some sort of platoon bat against lefties? So 
I think Michael Lorenzen is sneaky. This dude's fastballs have been very good this year. He's cheap, still relatively young. Of course, Erod is the big name, but I'm looking at Michael Lorenzen as a guy that kind of nobody's talking about yet. So, yes to Erod. Um, I'm saying no to Eric Haas because he is a pre-arb guy, and the, and the Tigers catching situation is, like, not good right now. So, Fair. I think just hold on to whatever you got. Lorenzen, I love. I, I think yeah, that Lorenzen's that's a great a one. one. Yeah, I think that that is a great flip candidate here. And I think that you can actually get something for him because we saw how quickly baseball kind of re-grasped on to Michael Lorenzen when he was in Anaheim last year. He had a really good start with the Angels last season, and then he tapered off immediately. Yeah, it, like as soon as we started talking about Lorenzen on this show, he was just done. Yeah, he's done. So after this, he's probably going to taper off immediately. But if he doesn't, I think that this is a guy that is honestly a pretty high floor arm because he's always going to give you a mid-90s fastball. He's always going to give you a good, you know, breaking off pitch. I do like Lorenzen as a five for a contending team. I don't think that he's the solution to the Cardinals pitching problems, but I think if you want some starter depth or a swingman even – I think Lorenzen's a great guy to pay $3 million to. He'd be a perfect Blue Jay. And I'm just looking at the Tigers right now and looking at who's on the IL. They have an entire rotation <laughs> on the IL. Like yeah. We talk about Tarek Skubal. We talk about Matt Manning. How about like Bo Brisky? Dude. Guys like that. Spencer Turnbull. Hey, like they have so many starters say, that are currently. Say his fucking name. Casey Mize. Say his name. Oh, I forgot about him. Um, who? Wouldn't you Case, feel so much better Casey about who? The- would you feel Arm. so much better about the D-backs, like if Lorenzen was in the fold there? Yeah. There's a lot of teams that I think you just you, you put them in there. Even the Rangers with how thin they are now, or not how thin, but in terms of just another opening they have in their rotation, there's a bunch of different teams. There's going to be a big market for those attainable but still impactful starting pitchers. And I agree that I think the Tigers could get a decent prospect for him. I mean, not saying a top 100 guy, but they could get – a top 10 guy in a system uh, for, for a rental Michael Lorenzen or at least two top 20 guys. So uh, that's probably their, their number one trade ship outside of Erod. I, I agree. Michael Lorenzen to Arizona for Dominic Canzone. What do you say? I love it. I love it. I think, I think they could probably get even a little bit more, maybe a, a, a low, a low level flyer with Canzone. I like that. Matthew Boyd, anyone? No. no. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm being generous, and you're going to hear with this next team, um, the Kansas City Royals. So we can start with a couple of bullpen arms. They are currently at 0.0%. Fedgraphs gives them a 0% chance. And there's a couple of teams that are at a 0% chance. I don't think that there is a 0.0% chance for anything in Major League Baseball. But what would you guys give them? 0.8? Making the playoffs? 0.5. I was just talking about hiding they're closer to the A's than people want to say. I, I think they're 0.1. And so I brought four players. We really could talk about anyone, but these are the guys that kind of caught my eye. So Josh DeMont is currently on the IL, but he's been a guy who I think is a fine reliever. And I think some people might want him. He's got a strained neck right now, but could potentially be dealt. Taylor Clark has actually been pretty solid. 2.89 ERA, expected ERA in the low threes. He's not 
crazy good, but I remember him with the Diamondbacks. Like he's one of those arms who you put in the fifth and sixth inning who can do a job. And then, of course, they have a role as Chapman, who has revitalized his fastball. It's back up to like 103. Thanks a lot, Yankees. Thanks a lot of Roldis Chapman. One year, 3.75 million, 295 ERA this season with a 256 expected. They have a plenty of bullpen arms that could potentially just get them some lower level prospects. But the one guy I do want to talk about where I don't actually think he's going to get traded, but could a team desperate for offense with potentially no real DH go get Salvador Perez? Salvador Perez has an 809 OPS this season. He's making 20 million for the next three years, then a club option for 13 million when he's going to be 36. So you're getting a lot of Salvador Perez control if anybody is interested. But the reason I bring him up is that he is hitting very well right now. Like, I don't think you're getting him as a catcher. And I don't think really any contenders are in the market for starting catchers. I think you'd be bringing him in as a DH option. But he's also a guy who's, you know, been on a World Series team, right? Like, he has been there, done that. He could really help a clubhouse. He could also produce plenty on the field still with that bat. I'm curious if Salvador Perez could be a name dealt at the deadline. They should. They should have a year ago. They should have a year before that. Now it's tough because Salvador Perez has 10-5 rights, which after 10 years of service time, you can veto any trade. So he might not want to go anywhere. If that's the case, then they're even more stuck. If he is willing to go somewhere, like 10-5 right guys are, are tough. But we've seen guys like that get traded in the past, and and especially if they're willing to. I think they should absolutely trade him. You're a team that is so far off. You're starting to see some of the offensive core, though. Right? There's a lot of guys that you're not moving off of in that core that are starting to come together. And you need to find pitching. You need that system to be better. And you can get some good pieces for Salvador Perez. You're not going to be good. In, within the duration of Salvador Perez's contract. And this is one of the few assets outside the guys that you mentioned that can actually bring you a return. To me, it's a no-brainer to trade this guy. And I assume that if it's the best thing for the organization, I think Salvador Perez would be okay moving on. I, I don't want to speak for him, but don't you want to play some meaningful baseball in the back half of your career or the latter quarter or less? Let's say the last few years? Like, Absolutely. And there's a lot of teams that could use him in a DH and catching role. Even though he's not the best defensive catcher in the world, we know what he brings to the table. We know what he can offer for a pitching staff. They should absolutely deal him. And we could list probably five teams off the top of our heads that would be immensely better as contenders with Salvador Perez. Yeah. Um, No, I mean, San Diego jumps out to me. Miami, if you want to view Miami as a contender, jumps out to me. I mean, any team that like, could use a catcher occasionally and then a bat in general. So like, I like the Mariners too. I like Seattle, but yeah. And like, you could slap him in the DH role. Um, yeah. No, I, I don't hate that at all. Like you could get Cal Raleigh off his feet a little bit if you want. Um, Potentially you could, I don't know if the guardians would do this, but they certainly need a bat. It's within the division and they still have bell and Naylor. So probably not. I'm just yeah. thinking about potential contenders who need a bat. Yeah. Like, it could be. I think they're all the way in on Bo Naylor. Like they have yeah. to if if they have no. Made- but you wouldn't be getting Salvi to catch. You'd be getting Salvi mostly to play. You know, catch if in the meantime. He's not catching. He's vetoing. I think he's vetoing that shit. Yeah, yeah, he might. And I also think like 
kind of piggybacking on what Aram's saying, Salvi might be prepped for that, you know, emotional goodbye to Kansas City. Hey, this is the organization that gave me my start and it's going to be a great tribute video. Do you really want to be in Kansas City when they lack a direction right now? I don't think he does. I think that's a perfect assessment of that. Chapman is the one that jumps out to me. Like Chapman's got to move. Chapman has to go to a contender. We saw the fever for high leverage relievers a couple deadlines ago. Craig Kimbrell got the Cubs, Nick Madrigal, and Cody Hoyer. That hasn't worked out too well for the Cubs, but at the time, that was a guy with closer potential and a big league second baseman. If Chapman can get you anything close to that, you're looking for quantity over quality at this point. And Brown for David Robertson. How many times do you bring that one up? Like, if they can get, and I know Ben Brown's exploded since, but. You can get a good prospect for a role as Chapman. A lot of teams are going to want Chapman, a guy that's been there, a guy that you can pitch in the big moments that looks back to Chapman. And you assume that he's reports are good. He's carrying himself the right way in Kansas city. Someone's going to take a chance on him and he's been great. So that's got to be the, the most inevitable and, and most solid trade chip I think they have. And then if a team is willing to pony up on, on Salvador press, the, the question is this, would you give Salvador Perez, if he was a free agent this coming season, three no. years, $60 million? No, no, no. hell no. no. So then is a team going to be able to meet the, the asking price that the Royals want? Because the Royals are going to ask for more. They're going to say, hey, we need to convince Salvador Perez to waive his 10-5 rights. You're going to really need to knock our socks off with an offer. So a team's going to have to overpay, and then you could be attached to a contract that could go poorly in the back year or two. So are the Royals going to do it for a meager return? Probably not. They do it for a good return. Yeah. Is the team going to do that? That also has to pay him. There's a lot of interesting variables here. I still think they should absolutely trade him. But Chapman, if he's not traded, talk about being sued. Royals fans should sue the Royals. If impending free agent reliever, a role as Chapman, is not traded. I mean, That's that why they signed him, yes. right? That's Literally why signed you him sign to him. trade him. Yes. To trade him. Taylor Clark is also interesting because he has been good. Maybe a lower level prospect. Yeah, I mean, they, they always seem to have those those sneaky relievers. And yeah. they, you should, if you're that bad, trade every reliever. Even with the Tigers, I'd listen on Alex Lang. I, yep. I think you absolutely should. Yeah, I was going to mention with the Tigers, too. They could realistically trade everybody in their bullpen. Would, would be you trade idea. everybody on the team. Yeah, well, <laughs> you probably could. Um, a team that comes in at 9.4% to make the playoffs. Jack, your Chicago White Sox. I was looking at their team. And I are we sold on them being sellers? Like, do they just have to gut everything? Because I was going to go through everybody's contracts, bring who out they should sell. I'm looking at the team being like, I'm going to be here for hours finding contract details because they realistically could trade every single person on their team outside of Luis Robert and maybe Andrew Vaughn. And I would listen on Dylan Cease. I don't know how you couldn't. You should be listening on every single player. I would listen on Luis Robert. Now, probably won't be traded, but I would listen, right? Because if you trade Luis Robert and you trade Dylan Cease, there will be 0.0 people going to watch White Sox games. So you at least have to have a semblance of a team. So maybe you keep Luis Robert, you keep Dylan Cease, but everybody should be on the block. So agreed. You should know that giolito is pitching as well as he has in the last year and change he just went six yeah hit at yankee stadium yeah with that outfield that i was watching without aaron judge it was a horrible game it was a horrible game but giolito's off the books this year i think giolito should be quickly moved 
the White Sox have the benefit of the club option working to them. Like Tim Anderson, I don't think they want to move, but the right deal, they will. Like the two club options I see them picking up for next year are Tim Anderson at 14 and Liam Hendricks at 15. I don't think they move either of those guys. Lance Lynn, if anybody's buying the Lance Lynn thing, he's got a club option at 18 that is getting declined at a heartbeat. So Who like would buy him right now. That's the thing. If he puts together a five start stretch where he looks decent right before the deadline, why would somebody not move their 21st ranked prospect of the organization for eight starts of Lance Lynn down the stretch? Totally agree. But at the same time, I think the White Sox have a better chance of making the playoffs than Lance Lynn does of having a great five start stretch. At this point, I kind of agree with you. Uh, ben Intendi's immovable. I would love to have Intendi at this point. Um, but Lance Lynn is one of those Maybe guys. for cash considerations? Maybe we'll Just, see. They'd have to attach we'll, cash consideration. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll Lance Venmo Lynn, you. Lance Lynn, I'd say, is is the leader. Yasmani Grandal, if anybody wants to take that on, he's got a limited no trade right now. So he would, you know, like that's Marlin. a tough one. Go get him, Marlins. I'm good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not even good at catching anymore. I I'd rather start Nick Fortes every day. It, the ones that I really like are Joe Kelly, Kendall Graveman, Reynaldo Lopez. Like anybody that can get you a semblance of value in that bullpen, just go do it. Yeah. Clevenger. Uh, I, yeah, Clevenger. It's a mutual. Um, would you trade Andrew Vaughn? I, I would in the right deal. I would too. Um, I think Arm and I were just talking about Vaughn. Like, I think Vaughn hits arbitration next year. And he's That's like a insane. DH. Who has like a 780 OPS. That's the thing. We're waiting for Vaughn to be this career 850 OPS guy. And he's just a 740 OPS guy. <laughs> like It's just not happening. Out of position. Yeah. First. It's tough. It's tough. So I, I would. And Mankata is pretty much immovable. Um, I think you build around Cease and Robert. You get whatever you can get for Giolito, whatever you can get for Grandal, if anybody has interest. I'd definitely listen on Vaughn. I'd trade any reliever I can. Would would you not consider, I know that the whole narrative's there, but would you not consider trading Liam Hendricks? It, realistically speaking, it, Hendricks looks great. He could put together a body of work at two months here where he looks fantastic. Why wouldn't you move him? You could. Um, Optics. I don't know. It's the narrative thing. Yeah, it, it's an optics thing. Um, what if he wants to play for a more competitive team? If he, he wants probably to does play, move him because he's yeah. smart. Then why would he want to stay? It could be, hey, we're doing him a favor. Yeah, they, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like seriously. I'm really, like not even trying to be mean. Like I know, it, but it's still hilarious. Yeah, like, we're doing him a favor. They're like, hey, you want to go play meaningful baseball? We'll send you over somewhere else. Yeah, I think the ones that hurt, like Cease, it would be a crazy deal, and I think White Sox fans would be shocked. The ones that would hurt are Tim Anderson and Hendricks. Ta is an interesting one because. I don't know if this team's ever going to win with T.A. as their shortstop. I just, I, I don't know. I'm not saying it's T.A.'s fault that they're struggling, but he's hurt a lot. He's 30. I don't think that's going to get any better by the time this team kind of pieces it together. Is is T.A. going to be a everyday shortstop in two to three years defensively? He already struggles to stay healthy. His yeah. game doesn't age well. No. So, I mean, I would definitely listen on T.A., like yeah. Brian Especially Kenny probably hates TA. Like yeah. he doesn't care about Luis Arise hitting 400. TA is probably Brian Kenny's least favorite player. We'll <laughs> like, see. I, I I would strongly consider trading TA. Yeah. I, I, especially if the offer is right. 
you have that that option that comes with it. So teams will put a good value on that, I think. If the Braves offer you Von Grissom and and another and another interesting piece or two, if you can get this like Von Grissom, Dodd, and someone else, like how do you not consider that? Oh, you do uh, that in a second. Give, give me Von Grissom, Schuster, and Blake Burkhalter, who's a TJ guy right now, and I'm saying yes in a heartbeat. Yeah, and they'd be like, "We'll just give you Schuster and uh, and Von Grissom," and you'll be like, "Fine, sure." Yeah, but I want Burkhalter. <laughs> yeah, I know, but they're not going to give you Burkhalter with a no fucking deal. <laughs> yeah, but you're still saying yes. My last question to you, Jack: You're tapped into White Sox fandom. Do you think that White Sox fans like what would be the perception? if they were to trade a TA, a Dylan Cease, even a Luis Robert, like, do you think that White Sox fans are sitting there thinking everybody can be moved? Or do you think there is this, there's this sentiment that they want to keep at least a couple of people? Like, do you, where do you think they are at? I think you're fucking stunned if they move Luis Robert or Dylan Cease. Really? Stunned Stunned in a bad way? Stunned in a bad way, like they would be like screwed. Stunned this in team a bad out. way, like holy shit, what is this franchise doing? I think mm-hmm. yeah, stunned in a bad way. Anybody yeah. else? I think that it's ripping a bandaid off, but they're willing to do it. Um, mm-hmm. Again, the ones that would hurt White Sox fans are Tim Anderson and Liam Hendricks. Um, Giolito, I think fans are like they're not going to be good riddance with him because they've seen the highs of Lucas Giolito, and I think they'd be like, oh, you know, it was a good run. Like this is sad. But if they were to move Luis Robert or Dylan Cease in a massive deal, I think White Sox fans would sit there with a, a migraine and be like, what the fuck is going on right now? I, mm. I, that's why I think TA is the, the best chip to cash in because they're yeah. probably not going to pay him anyways. And this is the last time he's going to have any you know significant value, I think, with the control. Yeah. Last team in the American League is the Oakland Athletics. They have a 0.0% chance of making it. Um, we could talk about literally everyone, but I brought a couple of guys who I think would be actually solid-ish trade chips. Actually solid-ish trade chips. That's what I have. That's a vocabulary I have to use for the Oakland Athletics. Brent Rooker has 12 bombs and an 868 OPS. Some team is going to want to add him to their lineup. Seth Brown has proven that he can be at least a solid hitter and has gotten off to a rough start, so maybe a team wants to buy low on a left-handed bat there. Jace Peterson is a major leaguer. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Richard Lovelady has a 393 ERA in the bullpen. Uh-huh. Sam Mole has a history of being solid this year, four five seven ERA. Sam Long, former San Francisco Giant, was decent for the Giants, and decent is a nice way to say it. Uh, but he's got a three one three ERA for them. Could he be some sort of swingman bullpen type lefty major leaguer? And then they have Austin Pruitt, who has a three seven eight ERA. Anyone interest you, gentlemen? That might have been the most boring ninety seconds in just baseball show history. Yeah, this getting these guys' stats and their contract values for some of these guys, I it was some of the most boring research. Some of it was great. Some of it was like dragging fingernails against a chalkboard. Yeah. So three guys I think in this lineup help, maybe on this team that you're not moving. Um, Esteri, Ryan Noda, who like looks like a piece for them, and Shea Langoliers. I think those are the three that you're not moving. Everybody else, like, sure, you want him. Rooker, I think, is the best cash-in chip ever. Like, they ever. should move him as soon as possible. Yeah. yeah. yeah they that's should move I'm, him I'm today. Happy to be, I'm happy to be like, oh, he's still good? Okay, whatever. He's also a free agent in 2028, which 
it sounds far away, but for a guy that's like just finally good, like that's not that many like years. You know, you're not getting the full scope of of the control there as a guy that's like really just finally kind of breaking through. You already lost a year or, or two of control. Seth Brown, I think, could end up being their best trade chip. I know he's been horrible to start the year, but he was coming off the IL. He was pretty banged up. And I do think he can settle in and be solid. And I mean, like you mentioned, Peter, he's proven that the last two years. 20 home runs back-to-back years in that brutal stadium. He'll swipe a few bags. Uh, he's incredible against righties. One of the worst left-on-left hitters in baseball. So if you acquire him and you only put him against righties, I think he'll be even better offensively. And he can play several different spots. He can play first. He can play left, right. He even is fine in center. He has a lot of control, too, through 2027, which is sneaky for a guy that's played, been in the big leagues since 2019. I would absolutely uh, try to get something for Seth Brown. I think you know, this is going to be huge for them if, if he can play well for the next month or two. If not, they'll probably just hold on to him, though, and let him play better next year because all the control he has and, and just sell higher next year. So they're, they're kind of in the driver's seat with Brown. Everybody else – you're not getting anything for any of those guys. Guardians, potentially, for Seth Brown. Mariners, again, I'm just looking at contenders who need bats. Sure. <laughs> no, but I, Arm kind of hyped me up. Not hyped me up in terms of hyping up my thoughts about Seth Brown. I mean, that's a good player. He's a decent you, player. Would they ever move Ramon Loriano, or is he just going to retire in in, L, in in Las Vegas? He's Do you think he makes it to get, Vegas? He's struggling to get playing time on the A's. He's in a 92 WRC plus a 0.6 F4, five home runs, six stolen bases. Yeah, sure. Move him. Yeah. Someone cool. going to take that? Yeah. Someone sure. will take that. But like a bad defender when he was like the best defender in the world two years yeah, ago? Like, how did that happen? Aram loves a remote Laureato. He wants him to be a Bartlett. I don't. I, I'm I'm so happy to not have him. I did. There was a phase and a point in time where I did want Ramon Laureano, but not anymore. He, ha- he is having his best defensive season in a while, finally. Now that they've just fully moved him out of center, but someone might take a flyer on him. Other than that, this team, I don't, it's, I don't see how they get better. Like organizationally, other than just drafting. Well, moving on to the national league, the nationals have some interesting trade chips and Fangraphs gives them a 0.0% chance of making the playoffs, which is a little bit much. I think the nationals have been moderately competitive this season, uh, but at the same time, they will sell at the deadline because they should. And they have a lot of good pieces. Lane Thomas is having a great season. He's currently, I think, in year one of arbitration. He's got a couple more years left in 2026. He's going to be a free agent at age 30. And he's rocking a 791 OPS. He is one of the worst defenders by outs above average in Major League Baseball. But he is hitting and would be a bat on the market that I think a lot of teams should key in on. Another bat. Heimer Candelario, one year, $5 million, 772 OPS. They have Joey Manessis, who's making the minimum right now, slashing 305, 352, 397. Now, the power isn't there, and it makes sense because he went on this crazy power surge at the end of last season, but he's not really the power bat. But again, he's hitting 300. And also, Corey Dickerson, right, has been on every single team in Major League Baseball. He's making $2.25 million this year. He's got a 765 OPS. You got Dom Smith making basically nothing who could potentially be on the move. Trevor Williams is a pitcher who's in year one of a two-year deal worth $13 million. He's rocking a 4.15 ERA. And Certainly instead of going through... Yeah. 
And instead of going through the bullpen arms, I just said entire bullpen. That's what I wrote down on my Google sheet. Yeah. So two bullpen guys to ID specifically here, I think are Carl Edwards Jr. and Hunter Harvey. Uh, yep. Carl Edwards Jr. is up after this year. So that's, you know, take a flyer on a prospect. Uh, Hunter Harvey's an interesting one because like, I mean, once long ago, Hunter Harvey was a big time prospect. Um, not anymore, but he's kind of found himself this year, I guess. He's having a good year in the Nats bullpen. Hard. And he's got two years of ARB left. So that that can actually get you a real piece because you're trading a controllable reliever to a winning team. So I'd say those are the two that jump out to me. But Candelario, man, Candelario could be one of the better bats at the deadline. Yep, which is crazy to say. I do think this deadline is going to be kind of thin in terms of the talent, especially on the hitting side. Candelario might be one of the better better pieces available he's a good defender he's been swinging it really really well for for him you know 108 wrc plus but i think he's kind of been swinging it better than that like i do think he's going to settle into 112 115 with the defense at third i think that's that's a guy that might be one of the more coveted because he's not you don't have to give up your entire farm but i think there's going to be a a moderate bidding war that ends up getting the nationals a couple nice prospects for him i wouldn't trade manessis just because of the control I mean, obviously, if someone knocks your socks off, you you do it. But I would hold on to him, even though he's older because of the control. Because this Nationals team, as we're seeing, I can imagine this team being good, decent next year and good in two years. You could start to see the core slowly coming together. They've got some arms. I, I would love to move Trevor Williams if I were them. I think they could get maybe a bidder on that. But I think Candelario might be one of the best options available on, on the uh, trade market. So, that that should be a good return for them. And Lane Thomas, too. I want to talk yeah, about Lane Thomas. Like he's yeah, been why arguably... not move him? Yeah, why yeah. not move him? I mean, he's got, you know, he's he's got some years of control too. And we're talking about arbitration and all that. So it's kind of in the same breath. And he's been better offensively than Heimer Candelario has been, at least from an OPS line angle. I'm not sure what the WRC plus says, but regardless, I think he's a good bat to add. It's just you're dealing with Candelario, who has much better defense than Lane Thomas. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to put him in the outfield long term. He could be like that fourth outfielder for a contender. But regardless, that's valuable, especially if he's this good offensively. Yeah. Next team. Yep. All right. We have the Reds, and I want to boycott them because Van Graffs gives him a 3.5% chance of making the playoffs. I think that's bullshit. I think it's 50-50 at this point. Now that Ellie De La Cruz is the I think best it's probably 80-20 they're in. Yeah, I agree. It's, yeah. it's whether they win the World Series or get bounced in the ALCS. Right. ALCS. Right. Yeah. Did I say ALCS? Yeah. Sorry. NLCS. They're in the National League. But I think the Reds could potentially sell some of their veteran pieces while also buying. Right. Could they deal a guy like Kevin Newman? Yes. Could they sure. deal Nick Senzel? Like yeah. those guys. And then we talked about Jonathan India. I am in the camp of I think they should keep Jonathan India. I don't think there's really any reason to. I think a lot of teams, like Arm said on the a couple podcasts ago, that his home road splits, people are going to say that, and they're not going to offer the Reds the world. So there's no reason to trade him because in Great American Ballpark, he's the best second baseman in the league. Outside of it, he might be one of the worst. But you play 82 of your games in Great American Ballpark. So I don't think there's a reason to trade him. But they are able to trade a Nick Senzel and a Kevin Newman potentially four prospects and then flip those prospects and more to go get more pitching because Brandon Williamson, he's not ready. I think that's clear. Graham Ashcraft needs to be sent down. 
I mean, at this point, he just needs to be sent down. Nick Lodolo is still hurt. You still got Hunter Green, who's great. Ben Lively has been, you know, kind of good. And Andrew Abbott looks like he can be a contributor. But they need to get pitching if they really want to compete. And you watch this offense. I mean, they roll. It's so entertaining. They can compete this year while still trading some of those veterans and then parlaying that into pitching. Yeah, I'm pretty much only dumping a couple bets for back-end top 30 guys. Obviously, Nick Crawl has done a great job of IDing prospects that, you know, in some of the lower-level deals or some of the smaller deals that, you know, end up being of, of value to them and uh, end up playing pretty well. Christian Encarnacion Strand, even, you know, as the second piece of three pieces in that Tyler Malley deal was great. Even to get Hadger there, they ends up flipping Hadger to get Will Benson. Like, that was the third piece in that deal. I do think that with the way that they've been able to ID, I pretty much would keep the core together and just trade, as you said, a couple of those expendable pieces, get a 25th ranked prospect in a system for Kevin Newman, something similar maybe for, for, you know, Nick Senzel and, and call it a day and, and kind of keep that core together because Friedel has been great. I think, and they don't have that many imminent outfield uh, prospects that can step right in and, and hit for them. And Jake Fraley has been awesome. I think both those guys should, should be penciled in for next year. So yeah, I wouldn't do much. I'd be pretty quiet. If I were the Reds, just dump off a couple of those guys. Yeah. You think about the the move that the pirates made to go get dowry Moretta for Kevin Newman straight up. Moretta's a sub two ERA guy in the pirates bullpen. Like Moretta has been awesome. So if you can take, you know, a guy that like, I guess kind of struggled for Cincinnati last year and, you know, flip Newman for him. Think about what the Reds can flip Newman for, right? Like the Reds could get another reliever for Kevin yep. Newman. So we'll see how that goes. I'm going to look into the camera so you guys know I'm serious. This is why now is the perfect time to trade Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, <laughs> no, I, Cash the, in. the only other one. Could you imagine though? If so. Well, what would that deal it down. be? That'd be hilarious. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Um, the only Red other fans dialogue. just had a heart attack. No, fuck. <laughs> Come on. They got to know sarcasm. Cincinnati's yeah. got a great fan base that definitely knows they sarcasm. Do. They do. The only other dialogue that I think could be possible is Alexis Diaz. That's mm-hmm. the only one. Uh, what I will say is I mentioned that last season and Reds fans, I think, blocked me on Twitter. I know. So, I just mentioned it. So be careful. I know. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk on eggshells right now, but clearly Reds fans don't want to move Alexis Diaz. What I will tell you is if Alexis Diaz is quote unquote available and Nick Crawl is taking phone calls on Alexis Diaz, he immediately becomes the best reliever available at this deadline. By depending far. on the starters that are moved, he may get the best return at this deadline. He may the be the prized possession of this trade deadline. You saw what you just got for Luis Castillo last year. You combine Castillo and Mali. I'm not equating Luis Castillo to Alexis Diaz, but it's not as far off as you would expect for a closer with this well, much control. Well, closers in baseball. Right? So if you're looking at that type of Castillo return, even a subdued version of that, ask Reds fans, could you, would you accept the Mali return for Alexis Diaz, because I think it would be pretty close. But I think Reds fans, they view Alexis Diaz as part of that young core, whether that be Ellie or whether that be McLean and all these Castier and I think India. Like, I think he is one of those pieces that this is our team moving forward. We want Alexis Diaz to be the closer Cincinnati Reds for the next decade. 
So sure, but Aram just walked through. You got Steer, Christian Encarnacion, Strand, and by transitive property, Will Benson for Tyler Malley. Yeah. Would you take three guys for your core for Alexis Diaz? Because he is a reliever, right? And And we see what happens with relievers all the time. I think it's malpractice not to listen. Mm -hmm. And I think they will listen. They'll give a crazy asking price. But I'm just trying to think like what team would be you know, crazy enough to push the chips forward. You look at the Mets, of course. The Mets, people always talk about the Mets. <laughs> if the Mets offered you, I know, I know they don't need another middle infielder, but they could package now more. If they offered you Ronnie Mauricio, Mark Vientos, and you know another piece, you'd have to you'd have to think about it. Mark Vientos in that stadium would be a problem. Uh, it's it's possible. I obviously think that they don't do it. But if you you have all the leverage here, if you're the Reds. Take the call. Say you got to knock my socks off with with multiple top 100 guys or a top 100 guy and multiple top 10 guys. They still need outfield help. They need starting pitching help. You'd have to consider it if if, if you're getting offered a legitimate pitching prospect that's close to big league ready and a legitimate outfield prospect that's close to big league ready. Like if the Dodgers were were crazy enough to offer you Emmett Sheehan and Andy Pajes, I know he's hurt, but just for for argument's sake. You'd have to think about that. All I'm saying, as far as I will go, is just pick up the phone. Just take the phone calls. Doesn't hurt to take a phone call. It's like when you're trading in fantasy baseball, right? Just take a phone call. I always say, like, whenever I'm trading with the guys in my league, they're like, oh, this guy's not available. I'm like, every guy on my team, I have Ronald Acuna Jr. on my fantasy team. Every guy is available. Now, fantasy baseball and regular baseball are much different, obviously. But what I'm saying is that, realistically, I think if you're a general manager, like if I'm a general manager of the team, everyone is available in the right deal. Now, if the Braves were to trade Ronald Acuna, they'd need nine top 100 guys. Like probably nobody could do it. But don't tell me that you won't just answer the phone, right? If you can get better as a team overall, realistically, anyone should be available. All right, should we move on to the Chicago Cubs? Because they have an 8.4% chance according to Fangraphs, to make the playoffs. They're a very tough team because they're not completely out of it. Now, do I think they're going to make the playoffs? No. Do I think they're going to win the division? No. But when I look at the National League Central, the Cubs can't be sitting there saying, oh, yeah, we're definitely out of it right now. Like You look at the rest of the teams, and it's the Brewers and the Pirates atop the division. It's not like they're playing all that well. The Pirates just got their ass handed to them by the A's. And the Brewers are playing really well against the Orioles, but at the same time, like you can catch the Brewers. Like they, They're not the most impressive team in the world. Cardinals are struggling, of course, and now the Reds are probably going to win the World Series, but the Cubs can't think that they're out of it. But they do have a lot of guys who could potentially be available. And a couple of guys that I ID'd, Patrick Wisdom, Jan Gomes, Trey Mancini, Tucker Barnhart. But the one that I really wanted to talk about is Marcus Stroman. Because Marcus Stroman has $25 million this year, then a player option, then he is an unrestricted free agent. The Cubs could get a massive haul for Stroman right now. Do they do it? I'll tell you right now, Stroman's turning down that player option. Aram, you go? I, I think no, though. I think he wants to stick in Chicago. I think they they try to find a way to to leverage that and and extend him. They need they need a vet in that staff, especially with how bad Tyone has looked. It's looked horrible. I think I think they keep Stroman. I really do because they're they're inching towards being a a competitive team. They've spent money 
last year and quitting on Dansby. The the system is already really strong. I would only trade from from some of those other guys if you're out of it, like the catchers you mentioned. Uh, if you're really out of it, maybe Cody Bellinger, since he's going to be a free agent. And and he, that's another guy that I think is playing really well when healthy, was looking really good. And you get an everyday center fielder that can hit for power, like you'll do that. He looks like a different guy. Other than that, and wisdom, I think, could be expendable as well, especially with Morrell, who looks like basically a more athletic wisdom that can play multiple spots. I would really only move Wisdom, one of the catchers, and then maybe Bellinger if I'm way out of it. But I, I think the Cubs will be pretty quiet overall, unless they're in it or way out of it, which I don't think they're going to be either. Yeah, I, I think that they're going to go through the ebbs and flows. And we, we've seen a flow so far, right? We've seen that like poor stretch over the month of May and the beginning of June. And I think everybody's saying, oh, is Strowman going to go? I'm with you, Aram. Like Based on what Strowman has said and based on what the Cubs have said about Strowman, Feels like Stroman might be a cub for a good bit of time here. If they do move him, that'll be, you know, a great haul. But the team will know that they're pretty much renting him because he will turn down that player option. Um, Jamison Tyone for soda money, I'd say, at this point. No shot. The only other thing is, like, if anybody wants what's going on in the bullpen, feel free. Alzali has been the only consistently good reliever for them. Jeremiah Estrada. So... I think that Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins are probably looking at Alzali and Estrada, and it's like, okay, those are the relievers moving forward. If somebody wants to take Michael Fulmer off their hands, sure, go ahead. What about Rucker? Sure, go ahead. Sure. Mark Leiter Jr., sure, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what would a package look like for Mark Leiter Jr., you think? Because he's been kind of good. You can get a top 30 guy from Mark Leiter Jr., no doubt. I think yeah. All right, last team. Uh, this will be easy. I wrote down everyone except for Ezekiel Tovar for the Colorado Rockies. Um, they have a 0.0% chance of making it. Rocktober, it seems to be over. Um, Jack's shaking his head no, and Arm is pissed. Uh, <laughs> would anyone, and I already know the answer, but I'm asking it for the sense of fun, would anyone take Chris Bryant? No. No. Hell no. Yeah, I, know. I already know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm trying my best here because I don't think anyone's trade for Charlie Blackman. I mean, do you want him? He doesn't want to go either. That guy, yeah. that guy is, is so happy living in, in Denver, showing up to the ballpark, playing baseball, going home, hunting, and doing whatever the hell he does. Like CJ Crone? Possible. Hurt right now? Possible. So, Archon, CJ Crone? Like, we talk about India splits. I mean... If you want to send a ripple through the catching market, make Elias Diaz available. Yes. Um, Gritchick could be I'll on I'll say the Randall Gritchick has actually been playing pretty well when he's been on the field. He play, plays all three outfield spots. Has a crappy contract, but from what I heard during the offseason, the Rockies were willing to eat some of that money, which we saw them do with Nolan Arenado. Yeah. Uh, they were willing to eat some of that money to get a better return and to, and to move him. So I could see I could see Grichuk getting moved. I actually wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, and Grichuk, like what he'll be owed, I guess four and a half after that. He's coming off the books next year, and if the Rockies eat two of that four and a half, he's he's worth it at that point because you're getting a good bat that is equivalent to I guess an eight million dollar player. Um, Profar maybe. Ugh. Brent no Suter him when he was a free agent. Can yeah. we talk about this Rockies bullpen, though? Because I like this Rockies bullpen a lot. I yeah, bet so on them you, a lot of so the time. Suter's going to get an eight-year extension, right? Obviously, because he's earned it. Yeah. 
No, but a person, a person, a reliever that I'm looking at that I think could be like the next Adam Ottavino out of Colorado. Justin Lawrence. I'm obsessed with this dude. He comes in in two inning spurts and just dominates. And his his sweeper is so nasty. He's rocking a 3-4-1 ERA and a 2-7-5 expected ERA and plays a lot of his games at Coors Field. He's sweeper sinker. This dude is nasty. I think he's one of the best bullpen arms that's going to be available at this deadline. I think he's great. You got Jake Bird, who I also think is very solid. He's rocking a 3-1-2 ERA for the Colorado Rockies. Of course, you have Brent Suter there. And Daniel Bard, man, 1.04 ERA for Daniel Bard. Now, he's probably not going to be a closer. Yeah, good for him with the anxiety stuff. Moved out of the closer role, really struggled, and then now has found his way back into being a solid middle-type reliever. They have a lot of good-ass relievers. I can guarantee you teams will be lining up for Brad Hand. He is just one of those guys that just – He's just beloved, I feel like, by every in the World in Series the baseball community. Whoever they, team gets Brad Hand is going to go to the World yeah, Series. And and that's going to be a guy that I think gets you a decent prospect. That, the, the Rockies are in a good spot if they actually decide to trade from some of their bullpen and, you know, one or two of those guys. Elias CS could get you a, a nice return. Uh, so I, I could see that. But Rockies will be active, I think. I, I really do believe that. Elias Diaz is hitting 304 with a 467 slugging percentage. Yeah. I know. Kind of sick. Kind of sick. So that'll do it for all the sellers so far. We're probably going to do another update um, later, maybe in this month or maybe next month, just to find more teams that find themselves in these type of buckets where they're most likely going to be sellers. So we'll be IDing a lot of these players moving forward, but wanted to bring it to everybody's attention because right now it is June 9th and we're not that far off from a trade deadline. And there are definitely some teams that will be on the phone because some of these deals happen early. So you could potentially see some of these moves happen earlier than later. We saw with the Blue Jays, right? Blue Jays could easily go get a Trevor Williams or any of the starting pitchers that we named, maybe a Michael Lorenzen from the Detroit Tigers after sending Alec Manoa down. So that'll do it. Hopefully you guys all have an amazing weekend. Thank you again for listening to the Just Baseball Show brought to you by BetMGM. Use code JustBaseball when you download. But again, Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER if you have a gambling problem. The best way to support this podcast is to get yourself some Just Baseball merch. I'm rocking my hat. Jack's got a sick crew neck on and arms rocking our polo. Those are all available in the Just Baseball merch store. But again, if you don't want to spend a dime, no worries at all. If you could rate and review this podcast five stars, whether that be on Apple or Spotify. And if you're watching on YouTube, let us know some players that maybe we missed when talking about the seller's and some potential fits, maybe buyers that, you know, maybe your favorite team is a contender and you want some of these guys. Let us know in the YouTube comments. For Jack, for Arm, I'm Peter. Have a great weekend, everybody. And with that, thank you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.